Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. Effective practice involves spending a lot of time focusing on all the imperfections in our playing. So whether we're nitpicking finger coordination, double-tonguing, breath control, rhythm, intonation, or making nuanced musical decisions, it's easy to obsess about all the areas in which we struggle. Working on our weaknesses isn't all bad, of course, and there are indications that the best athletes and performers do spend a greater percentage of their time targeting their weakest areas than do intermediate-level athletes. But some musicians and educators have expressed concerns about this deficit-based approach and argue that we should spend some time cultivating our strongest attributes too, because it's our strengths which allow us to stand out and make the greatest contribution to our community and the world at large. So which is it? Should we focus on remediating our weaknesses or enhancing our strengths? And what is a strength exactly? Well, let's say that you're good with numbers, but you enjoy math about as much as you enjoy cleaning the leaves and gunk out of your gutters. Would math be considered one of your strengths? Well, maybe not, though it's not exactly a weakness either, right? Indeed, a strength is not just something that you do well. That's just one part of the equation. For something to be a strength, it must also be an activity or skill that you find energizing to engage in, something that you enjoy doing for its own sake. And when you put these two criteria together, you end up with four categories of activities we could be engaged in. This is based on the Realize 2 model developed by the Center for Applied Positive Psychology. Your realized strengths are things that you're pretty good at and get energy from doing. Unrealized strengths, on the other hand, are things that you don't get to do as often, but represent the areas in which you have the greatest upside or potential for future awesomeness. You find these pretty energizing as well, even if you're not as strong in these areas quite yet. Your learned behaviors are those things that you're good at, but find draining. Doing too much of these things can lead to disengagement and feeling burned out, so ideally, you wouldn't have to engage in these activities too much. Your weaknesses are the things you do least well, and perhaps more importantly, also seem to suck the energy and life out of you. In theory, it'd be nice to minimize the time you spend in this area too. The fundamental idea is that if you spend too much of your time engaged in learned behaviors and weaknesses, you'll find yourself underperforming because your greatest strengths aren't being leveraged. And maybe worse, you'll be prone to feeling emotionally out of sorts as well from spending so much of your time engaged in activities that you find draining and unengaging. So does this mean that it's better to focus on enhancing your strengths? 
Well, a team of researchers in the UK recruited 240 college sophomores to take place in a goal-setting study. Everyone began by taking a strengths identification assessment to identify their top five signature strengths. Then they wrote out their top three goals for the semester, things like attend most of my lectures, or make the university football team, or stop drinking alcohol during the week. Next, they were asked about the degree to which they've used their signature strengths so far during the semester with regards to their life in general. And then they were asked to what degree they've used their signature strengths in working towards their first, second, and third goals. At the six-week mark of the study, the researchers checked in with each participant to see how things were going. Participants were asked the same questions about their usage of signature strengths, and also reported on the progress they were making towards their three goals for the semester. At the 10-week mark of the study, the researchers checked in again to see if anything had changed. Lo and behold, the more participants used their signature strengths, the more progress they tended to make towards their goals. Maybe just as importantly, using signature strengths seemed to be connected with greater feelings of well-being too. So, at least from this data, it seems that achieving success isn't a matter of gritting your teeth and white-knuckling your way to big goals at the expense of your well-being and emotional health. It's about realizing these goals, but while feeling engaged and energized along the way too which in turn makes you more likely to achieve your goals, which improves your sense of well-being and life satisfaction, which helps you persevere and achieve your goals in an upward spiral of success. So how can you utilize a strengths-based approach to achieving your musical goals? Well, the first step is to identify your strengths. Because while you can probably rattle off a list of at least a few of your areas for growth without a moment's hesitation, and no, the ability to instantly generate a list of your weaknesses doesn't count as a strength, try to name two or three of your biggest strengths. Not so easy, right? But not to worry, I have a couple things for you to try. In a moment, I'll read off a couple examples of questions that you can ask yourself that come from a study which looked at developing mental toughness in cricket from a strengths-based perspective. And in the off chance that you happen to be a cricket fan, I've included cricket-centric answers from the study as well. Question number one, my strengths are, or I feel strong when I am doing X. The answer to these questions would be, my strengths are my hands, slip catching, or catching in general. Question number two, what is your best delivery? How do you get most of your wickets? Or in more musician-friendly terms, What is your best attribute? What is the most compelling aspect of your playing? What kind of music do you care about the most or feels like it was written just for you? Answers, again, in cricket terms, might be by building pressure on batsmen and executing my bowling plan, reading batsmen and their game plans, breaking partnerships. If you're having difficulty answering these questions, another option would be to try something that clarinetist Jason Schaefer described in his recent podcast episode. The gist is to listen back to a recording of yourself and write down an equal number of positive and negative or critical observations. So for every critique you have of your playing, you must write down one thing that also sounded pretty good or is getting better. At first, it may not be super obvious, but over time, you'll start to see some trends in terms of the things that may be your strengths. Once you've identified some of your playing strengths, the idea then is to brainstorm some ways you could feature or leverage these strengths more frequently. Here's a prompt from that same study for this step. Question, things I can do to build on my strengths or put myself into situations where I am in my element are, 
And an example answer from Cricket would be, ritualize my pre- and post-delivery routines through simulated pressure practice at the nets. So what can we take away from all of this? Well, at the end of the day, I think these studies suggest that the question of whether we should work on our strengths or our weaknesses is not an either-or kind of proposition. It's one of those both-ands, and a matter of finding the right balance. Given that we only have so much time in each day, trying to be awesome at everything is going to leave you feeling exhausted, burned out, and lacking in many areas. So it sounds like the more optimal path is to target your weaknesses and showcase your strengths to invest your limited energy in those areas that are going to give you the most return on investment, not just in terms of the level of your playing, but also in how engaged and energized you feel by working on aspects of your craft that you find inherently meaningful and which are truly and authentically you. You can find links to this week's study and other related practice hacks at bulletproofmusician.com blog. If you found this episode helpful, please do share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think would also enjoy experimenting with it during the coming week. And if you'd like to explore this sort of thing in more depth, whether it be to get more out of your daily practice or to get better at managing performance pressure and shrinking that gap between what you can do in the practice room and what comes out on stage, you can learn more about the live and self-paced courses that are available at bulletproofmusician.com courses.